0: To The book of John chapter 2, the book of John chapter 2, and it's interesting, the night prior to women's conference, the the, the eve of women's conference, my message tonight is lessons from Jesus' mother, Mary. Lessons from Jesus' mother, Mary. So I just thought it'd be good to kind of preach on a bit of a mama message. in the one year bible uh, i'm you know samuel are you doing the same one as me you're doing the, the chronological right or no you you you're doing okay so this this year this year for the first year i'm doing the chronological one do you know it took it took till my mother's birthday which is september 24 it took till september 24 to finish the old testament from genesis 1 i mean from january 1 all the way to september 24 Nine months, twenty-four days to get to 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 the end of the Old Testament and start the New Testament. So you know we're, we're you know what is that like twelve days into the New Testament right now, and uh, it's just so I can't get enough of it. It's like man, it's it goes too quick. Each day I'm like what it's already finished, um, but yeah, I was kind of grinding there. <laughs> Lamentations is a grind. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Dear Jesus. Dear goodness, my Lord. Anyway, so, so this is in my in my Bible reading. Let's, let's go uh, John chapter 2. I love this story. It just jumped out, and, and I know it's going to bless you tonight. Uh, on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. So a lot of people give us a hard time, especially, you know, former Catholics or... You know, we'll say, you know, or even present-day Catholics, you know, you really don't revere or honor Mary. And the truth is, we we don't worship Mary. The Bible actually forbids the worship of Mary, just so you know. The Bible says, you shall worship no other God but me. Mary isn't a God. So that's why we don't worship Mary. I know it offends, but it's not a, it's not a new day. I've been offending people for... Many, many years. So I just got to tell you, we don't worship. But, but, we, but we respect her. At 16, at 16, she said yes. She said yes to, to carrying the Messiah. She said, yeah. And, and, and you can't really hide a pregnancy. Well, not for long anyway. After a, while, after a while, I was going to start showing that, hey, you had an encounter with God. I see you carrying something. She, she might have tried to hide that she was carrying Jesus, but people began to notice. But she said yes, knowing that it would cost her a boyfriend. The Bible says that when, when Joseph found out, he's looking at the little, when he found out she was pregnant, the Bible says being, a, being an honorable man, honorable man he, he didn't want to shame her and humiliate her because he loved her. But when she's saying, oh, no, no, an angel appeared to me. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I studied biology at school, Mary. Sure it was an angel. Sure it was. But because he loved her, he, uh, the Bible says that he, he was going to divorce her privately. He, was going, he didn't want to humiliate her. He loved her, but he couldn't believe. So an angel had to speak to him in a dream and say, so, do not be afraid, Joseph, to take Mary to be your wife. She is a virgin, that which is in her is from the Holy Ghost. So now, Joseph, for Joseph to say yes, he's wow, look who just walked in. Hubba Baba ding ding. Check the legs out on this little thing. My, 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 my. You beautiful girl, you beautiful baby. Whatever time you walk in is the perfect time. It's the perfect time. <laughs> So anyway, so so she was, she was ostracized, she was gossiped about, but she said yes. She said, yeah, you know what, I just figured out because I like math. So pregnant at 16, baby Jesus at 17, Mark Gagarin, how old was Jesus when he was crucified? 33. 33, exactly, 33. What's 33 and 17? No, no, come on, that's 33 and 7 is 40. 33 and 17 is? 50. 50. Fifty. What's 50 in the Bible? Jubilee. When, when Mary looks on the cross and sees her, her firstborn hanging on the cross, God is so good. He said, sweetheart, it's your 50th year. It, this is the jubilee. This is the one that was prophesied. Just amazing. Anyway, so now, so now Mary is at the wedding. She's at the wedding in Cana of Galilee, verse 2. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding, And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, which I just love. That's how I know Jesus has got my respect. He doesn't say, mumsy, mumsy darling. He says, woman. What does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. He's sitting with his posse. He's sitting with the disciples. He's trying to establish some street cred. He's got his disciples. He's like, woman. And she's like, I beg your pardon? Oh, 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 oh. Tell me I didn't just hear you. Call mama woman. Oh, all of a sudden you're a man now? Oh, oh, you're 30 and you're here with your posse and I'm woman, am I? Yeah, you're starting your miracles today. None of this, oh, my time's not yet come. If you're, ty- if, you're if you're, old enough to start calling me woman, you're old enough to say, whatever he tells you to do, like it's just, br- it's brilliant. It's brilliant. So, so his mother says to the servants, whatever he says to you to do, do it. Whatever he says to you, do it. The greatest advice, if we we're going to listen to anything Mary brings, it's this. Whatever he, Jesus, tells you to do, whatever he tells you to do, do it. If you said, hey, what is the secret? Whatever he tells you to do, do it. If you said to me, listen, I'm about to pay $2,000 to go to a motivational seminar where we're going to walk on hot coals, or I could listen to what Mary says, I'd say, listen to what Mary says, save your money, save your money. Whatever Jesus tells you to do, do it. Now, there were set six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. And Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw out some of the water and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And they took it, the faith. These are wash pots filled with water. He says, now scoop some out and give it to the head sommelier. And they're like, oh, you just do it. So they took it out and they hand it to him and they're like, oh. And he goes. No, he didn't do that. I did that and I I thought it was impressing Leanne on a date. She goes, what are you listening for? I said, it's bouquet. It's not real. I stole it from a Mr. Bean video. (laughs) Anyway, so anyway, you guys are distracting tonight. I'm not sure what it is. It's the women's conference or something. Maybe it's just me. Anyway, so they took it to the master of the feast. When the master had tasted the water that was now made wine, and he did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, The master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to the bridegroom, every man at the beginning of the feast sets out the good wine. And when all the guests have drunk, then they bring out the inferior. But you, you're, 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 you're like anybody I've ever done a wedding for. You have saved, you have kept the best wine until now. This is the beginning of the signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee. And it manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. His disciples believed in him. I'm going to give you three quick thoughts. The first one is first impressions last. First impressions last. What I love about this miracle is it's the first of the miracles. The first of the miracles. And every mama wants their their child, whether boy or girl, wants their child to make a great first impression. Like I'm not sure if you had a mama like I did that had a handkerchief. She always had a handkerchief. In her handbag she'd have a handkerchief. And it didn't matter where we were going, she'd stop, stop, and then she'd get down like this and she'd pull the handkerchief out and she'd lick it and she'd she'd tear the skin off my no she'd she'd wipe the whatever whatever food whatever stains was on. She would like and we would fight and she would slap us till we held still. <coughs> Because she was determined we are making a good first impression. I remember, you know, in Australia, they have school uniforms, Peter. Everyone wears school uniforms. Everybody looks the same. And so our school uniform was like dark brown shorts and a light brown shirt. Dark brown shorts, button-up shirt with a collar, you know, because I went to Mount Brown Public School. And so I told my mother, I said to my mother, I said, you know, Mama, tomorrow is is photo day, tomorrow is school photos. And so school photos, you're meant to turn up with your, and we we did have like, you could, if you wanted to, wear a tie. But my mother, like, and I was trying to fish for it, I I told the media guys, I'm gonna try and find it, I just ran out of time at home, it's somewhere in a box somewhere. But our school photos, I'm like, I think I was eight and my little brother was six. Everyone's got brown shorts, and this light khaki shirt, except one jack wagon in the photo. There's one young man in the photo standing there like this with purple trousers, a white belt, a yellow turtleneck with a red tennis vest. <laughs> Everyone else is in school uniform. One of these things is not like the other. One of the... And my mum would look at it with pride. You see, you don't know which one's my son. This one here. This one, just in case. Oh, no, no, this one. This one over here. Yeah, the one not wearing the school uniform. This one here. So Jesus Jesus is like, Mom, Mom, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, are you serious? Do you know how many Baptists are going to be upset if my first miracle is turning water into wine? Like, do you know how upset the religious people, do you know how much harder it's going to be for me to talk with the Pharisees when they find out in his first miracle, pff, you're right, like he's from God. He turned water into wine. Like turning water into, you only get to make a first impression once. You only get to make a first impression once. He turns water into wine. I mean, I can imagine the angels in heaven, you know, they're all taking bets. What do you reckon his first miracle is going to be? well, these are, these are angels who went to Cherish and they got a little bit carried away <laughs> at the fun of casino. And they thought it'd be fun to just bet on what miracle, is G- it's innocent. It's, they're not playing blackjack. They're not black, they're, they're just, anyway. And so, so... And some of the some of the highest, you know, it's like, oh, it's got to, he's going to raise the dead. He's going, he, he's 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 the one who brings life where there's death. He's raising the dead. Other ones He's going to cleanse a leper. He's going to, first miracle. He's cleansing a leper to show that no matter how sin, how jacked up we are, he can make all things new. He can make us clean. He can restore everything that was lost. And so the, the bets are going on. No, he's going to open the eyes of the blind because he come to restore vision. He come to restore hope. Become and, and yet the first miracle is Jesus turns water into wine water into wine I used to be perplexed in fact when I was a bit religious I didn't like that I'm like ah, I want to skip over that I don't really like to preach that let's just kind of get through with it and then one day God just kind of said to me like "What, what are you doing he says for thousands of years the religious people gave me a bad rap they misrepresented me to people. They, they, they represented me as a God of death, not a God of life, as a God that of, of spoil, uh, of a God who's a mighty spire. He's a mighty smiter, and he's looking to smite someone. There's somebody sinning down there, Gabriel. Just point him out so I can smite them. Arr. I'm a pirate god. Arr. And I smite where I find sin. Arr. But instead, he turns water into wine. He turns water into wine. He turns, and and it was, they'd run out of wine. They'd run out of wine. It was the groom's responsibility to make sure there was enough wine. So the groom, I'm not sure whether he was a cheapskate. He obviously wasn't good at math. We, we we don't know. We do not know the issue that was in play. All we know is this that Jesus covered whatever his The Bible doesn't tell us whether he was a cheapskate. He might have been he might have been a miser. And Jesus is like, dude, I'm gonna turn water into wine, but I need to turn your poverty mentality, you're passing trees of abundance to eat from a tree of lack. I need you to, to shift your cause you're about to get married. You can't go into marriage Thinking, oh well, you know, how cheap can, can I be with my wife? How, you know, how? Oh my gosh, she costs me how much? She's going to cost you everything you have. She's going to cost you everything you have. No, it's serious. It's serious. What? what one day Cain and Abel are walking with with Adam, and you know, when they were little boys, and they look and they're like, Dad, what's that? And he goes, It's the Garden of Eden. It's the God. There's an angel with a sword. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. That's where we used to live, kids. That's where we used to live. How can we not live there anymore? Well, your mother ate us out of house and home. (laughs) Now, that may not be true. That may not be true. I'm just telling you what Pastor Samuel told me. Pastor Samuel told me that. (laughs) Jesus... Takes ordinary water, turns it into wine. He covers what, what, whatever, whatever was broken, whatever dysfunction, whatever miser, whatever, whatever neglect, what, whatever the fault was. This, the groom should have experienced a level of shame. He, the, 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 the message from the master of the feast should have been a rebuke. Should have been chastisement. How can you expect the guests to come and celebrate, and you've run out of wine? Your oversight is is neglectful. You've abdicated responsibility. Instead, instead, the testimony Jesus turns his dysfunction. Jesus turns his transgression. He doesn't just cover it, but he so instead of cursing, he ends up in blessing. Instead of in rebuke and shame, he ends up in praise and honor. This is the first miracle. The DNA of who Jesus is is in his first miracle because that's what he did to me. If you would have seen me before I met Jesus Christ. In fact, if if it was possible to pull back the veil and see who I was and see my sin and see my transgression and see the thoughts that I've thought in my heart and in my mind, the the shameful things, that you, you would have no respect, but because of Jesus Christ, he comes and he takes what is ordinary. He comes and takes what I ran out of. I ran out of the ability to do what's right. I ran out of the ability to honor God. I I didn't have it within me to fulfill the commandments, but Jesus comes and he turns ordinary into extraordinary and he provides a covering. He provides a covering so that people can see the very, very best. It's what he does. It's what he does. You know, I was listening to to a a preacher a few years ago and it it really broke my heart, uh, Pastor Alex, because... Nothing, nothing, I don't know if there's anything uglier than a successful preacher. Sometimes, sometimes, you know, Abraham Lincoln said, if you want to really want to test what's in a man, don't give him trials. He says, any man, when you give him trials, difficulty challenge will cry out to God. So if you really want to see what's in the heart of a person, give him success. You know, how, how haughty we become, how arrogant we become, you know, and and um and this guy, you know, his church was full, and and then he he decides that he's going to make a point of he was asked to officiate a wedding. And the couple called called him saying, Hey, listen, Pastor, would you pray? Because the forecast is rain, and we've organized, you know, out an outdoor venue, and we've got outdoor seating and you know, with the flower arrangements and, and everything and the outdoor, you know, with the rain, would you please pray that it doesn't rain? And so he decides that he's going to preach about this story, about these, this couple. And he says, the selfishness, how selfish, asking for God to make it sunny for their wedding when the farmers need rain, the farmers need rain. And I'm like, you know, like I'm listening to it and it's grieving me. I'm like, man, if I was you, I would, I would trade in your God. Because your God is mini me, me. He's just a little bitty God who's quite cranky. Because the God that I serve can make it rain for the farmers and bring sunshine for the wedding. Like, like that's, too, that's too difficult. His his arm's that short, he can't do that. Well, where's that in the Bible? I'm glad you asked. The Bible says that while the children of Israel were in Goshen in Egypt, the Bible says that God sent the hail on the land as a judgment and it destroyed all the crops of the Egyptians, but not one stone, not one piece of hail touched one of the crops. The Israelites had crops in abundance. The Bible says that darkness fell over the entire land, and, and Egypt was it cloaked in darkness so dark that you couldn't even see, you could feel it. But the Bible says, but the children of Israel living in Goshen had light in their dwellings. The, the, the Bible says that the blight and the mildew struck the, the, the land of the Egyptians, but there was no blight or The Bible says that the pestilence hit the animals of the Egyptians, but not one animal in the land of Goshen. The Bible says God made a distinction between the Israelites and the land of Goshen. The God that you and I serve is a God that can make a distinction. He can fill up the reservoirs of the farmers, and He can make sure that there's a sunny day. For a young couple who have saved themselves, who have waited, who now stand on an altar, they're about to enter into a covenant. You think God doesn't honor that? You think God doesn't respect that? He turned water into wine. Stop trying to turn God into a religious, into a religious dictating potentate who's a killjoy from the sky he turned water into wine you can only make a first impression once the first impression that we see of God is he's a life-giving God he's a life-giving God he wants you to have life and have life more abundantly he wants you to enjoy this life somebody say amen. amen point number two is she believed his word in verse five she says whatever he tells you to do do it now let me just say this, because I'm because I'm going to just kind of flirt a little bit with uh, some doctrinal possible error. Right now, I believe, and this is what I was taught in Bible school, that Jesus did not perform a miracle till the Holy Ghost came upon him. The, the Bible teaches us, so when we read the scriptures, we see that Jesus didn't do a miracle. Till the Holy Ghost fell on him. And yet Mary, yet Mary here, when they run out of wine, doesn't say, hey, Jesus, can you quickly duck down to the store? She doesn't say, hey, let me see if I can contact the vineyard owner. She goes to Jesus and she says, they got no more wine. And it's like, what's that got to do with me? She goes, oh, yeah, right. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Watch this. So I was trying to to reconcile it. And, And the truth is, the truth is that in the beginning, the Holy Spirit was hovering over the face of the waters, and then God said, Let there be light. Light was. So I believe that the Word activates the power of the Holy Spirit. But then as I read the scriptures, I see in the New Testament, the Word was there, but the Word was activated by the Holy Spirit. So the Word activates the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost activates the Word. These two work together. But Jesus was never not the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by Him, for Him, through Him. Nothing was made that is made except through the Word of God. Everything is held together by the Word of God. Mary saw just Jesus releasing the Word, 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 releasing the Word word growing up. He didn't need the Holy Ghost. You don't need the Holy Ghost to have a miracle. You can say to me, Pastor, how on earth do you have a great marriage? How on earth have you? It's a miracle. But I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost didn't have to slay Leanne in the Spirit. And then God says, now, now, quick, while she's slain, drag her into the church it's proper up she says I do and then too late now you know he didn't have to do that she went willingly the biggest miracle is she went to to the church willingly yes I know she was only 17 why do you have to ruin everything thank you Samuel she was only 17 she didn't know what she was doing thank you Samuel how does it even make me feel can you believe Samuel what the she went willingly I, I had no idea how to husband. I had no idea how to father. I had no idea how to build a great church. I don't have no idea how to build great friendships and relationships and develop leaders. But you know what does? The Word of God. I, I, I didn't need to go and get slain in the Spirit and get a double portion of the kind of anointing. Hallelujah. They can raise the leaders. I'm on I a church building anointing. I didn't need, need any of that. The Word of God. The word of God, she says, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Jesus says this, whoever hears these sayings of mine, I will liken him to a man who builds his house on the rock. The rain comes down, the floods come up. The wind blows, but the house stands. But whoever hears these sayings of mine and doesn't to them, I will liken him to a foolish man who built his house instead on the sand. The same rain comes down. The same flood comes up. The same wind blows, but the house crashes and great is its fall. Jesus' word is power. She knows his word is power. She knows that when you and I apply his word to our life, it has power. It has transformation power. It has the power to turn ordinary water into the most extraordinary wine. If you look at my past, if you look at what I come from, I came from broken. I came from dysfunction. I came from addiction. I came from alcoholism. I came from abuse statistically, they would say, listen, your history is the greatest predictor of your future. And yet, because I came to Jesus Christ and began to do what he said, began to do just whatever he says, as I began to do what he said, I began to discover that he takes what is ordinary, what is run out, what is insufficient, what is depleted in my life, and he turns it in the most extraordinary wine so that you can have the greatest life. The last one, number three, is His Word solves all problems. His Word solves all problems. I'm loving going through the New Testament. Ladies, can I tell you, this week, this weekend at Cherish, His masterpiece, the Master is going to be there this weekend. And if you will just give Him a piece of your year, if you give Him a piece of this month, that's, that's, sometimes that's all he wants. Lord, I, I've, got, I've got kids, we've got sports, we've got everything. But if you would just give him two nights and two days. Two nights and two days. What the master can do with your life in those two nights and two days. You're going to hear the word. One word from heaven. The, the Bible says a, a man comes to Jesus and he says, My son. He's at death's door. John chapter 4. He's at death's door. Please, would you come? And Jesus says, I don't need to come. He says, go. Your son is healed. The Bible says, when the man heard the word, he, he believed. He believed what Jesus said. And he turned around and he made the journey back home. One of his servants came out to meet him and said, your son lives. He lives. He says, The the fever left him. He woke up out of the coma. When did that happen? Yesterday around three o'clock. And he realized that was the exact time the Word came out from Jesus. When I first started dating my my beautiful Leanne, um, I didn't mind it, Mike, because I would have theological arguments all the time with her mother because her mother went to Bible school and I went to Bible school, but she went to a Bible school where they... Believe that miracles have passed away. The gifts of the Spirit aren't for today. You know, it was like a cessationist Bible school. The gifts aren't for today. And she would always, she, she'd always, when I when I cornered her, she'd always go, "Well, the Apostle Paul says," like that was that was like her, you know. And she'd always quote that, and then she'd try and think of something clever afterwards. So finally, I finally I cornered her, and she could not deny from the Scripture that healing is for today. The miracles are for today, that Jesus heals today. And she had fainted on the floor, and she was only in her 40s. Her mother had died at 48 of a heart condition, and she had 44 of a heart condition. And she was taking the same medication, was diagnosed with exactly the same heart disease, and they were saying that this thing would kill her. But because God had kind of used me at that moment as an instigator in her life to shift her from what she was being taught that was theologically incorrect I introduced her to Kenneth Copeland the believer's voice of victory and one day she's sitting there and a word from a man filming in Texas releases a word that God died on a cross and by his stripes you were healed she says, as the words came from the television, it hit her in her spirit, and she instantly felt something shift in her heart. She felt a curse break over her life, and she was she felt healed. She threw away her medication, went to the doctors, and the doctors scratched their head and said, we can't explain this, but the heart condition is completely gone. Just two years ago, she had a brain aneurysm and they said to her, they said to her husband, Leanne's father, that a brain aneurysm. At this day, she's had a stroke. At this elderly age, the brain won't recover. You know, it's 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 going to go downhill from there. But we began to pray, and then we prophesied, releasing a word. She just had um, some tests done just a few months ago, and the doctor says we can't explain this. It is like there is zero evidence of. A brain, But it's not even the fact that there's no evidence of that you've had a brain aneurysm. You have the brain of a 25-year-old. I need you to understand. Mary, Mary says, whatever He tells you to do, do it. He takes deficient water and He turns it into the most extraordinary of wine. What He does at your life with your life. What he does, ladies, this week at the altars. Every session, there'll be an altar. Every service, we try to have ministry at the altar. What is the ministry at the altar? It's you making a decision. Whatever he tells me to do, I want to do it. Is it easy? It wasn't easy for Mary. It wasn't easy for Mary to say yes to Jesus. She had to take on the ridicule of her friends, the mocking of a community, the the, the penalty. For being pregnant out of wedlock in Israel, in the, the religious zealots, was they could take her out and stone her to death. She could have been stoned to death. She could lose her life. And yet she was willing to stay. say yes. She was willing to stand up for Jesus. I need you to understand the same word that said to a storm, peace, be still. And immediately there was a calm the same word that come to a dead man who was dead for four days Lazarus said come forth and he who was dead came out bound it's the same word it's the same word the centurion says oh you I don't I'm not even worthy for you to come under my house but like you I too am a man under authority just say the word and my servant will be healed and Jesus like my God not in all of Israel have I seen such great faith when you build your life on the Word of God, the Bible says heaven and earth will pass away, but my Word endureth forever. In this church, I want you to understand, on a Sunday, we will preach the Word. We will not dilute the Word. I know that we're under continual attack from, you know, the Word of God. Well, it's the Bible's outdated, and how can you? The Bible is not outdated, my friend. It is more up-to-date than next year's Time magazine and, and tomorrow's newspaper. The Bible has no expiration date. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Let's stand to our feet. So let me ask you a question. And then I promise I'll answer it. When is the Word of God at its most potent? When is the Word of God at its most powerful? Is it when it's spoken? I I watch Jesus. He says, peace be still and immediately and for years I would, sub- I would subscribe that the word of God is at its most powerful when it's spoken and there is power absolutely when it's spoken and God says there is power released when it is spoken but there is power received when it's obeyed there's power released when it's spoken but there's power received when it's obeyed every Sunday every Wednesday our, our courageous pastors, our courageous leaders will speak the Word of God, and there's power, power. The, one of the saddest scriptures I read is, is Jesus was in a house, you know, where they drag the paralytic and they have to go through the roof. And the Bible says, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them all. So power was, power, was, power was present to heal them all, but only one person got healed. There was power present to heal them all, but only one person received because only one person applied. Every Sunday power is released when the word is preached. That's why I won't let the devil stop me from preaching the Word of God. I won't back up from it. I won't apologize for it. I'm going to keep preaching the Word of God. Why? Because I know if we dilute the Word, we dilute its power. And people come in, they're terminal. People come in, they need miracles. We better be preaching the, the unadulterated, unfiltered, living Word of God so that when you hear the Word, there is power that goes out. But I'm telling you, when you apply it to your life, come on, lift your hands to heaven. Lift your hands to heaven. Say these words. Say, Heavenly Father, tonight I stand in the house of the living God. Lord Jesus, tonight I choose to obey your word. Whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do it. Heavenly Father, I thank you that tonight the areas of deficiency are going to overflow with abundance. The areas where there's been lack are going to overflow with goodness. You're going to turn my water into the most extraordinary wine. Everything can change in Jesus' name. Come on, give the Lord a great clap. Give the Lord a great clap. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com